Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Sounds of the Hardwood podcast. In today's episode, we'll be continuing our conversation on NBA free agency as it's covering the deals that are going down yesterday and any news that comes in while we're on live doing our episode. How y'all guys doing today? How your weekend been going? Good. Waiting on uh, to see if we get a, another massive trade as we've had a couple of the last few days, which we'll talk about. So, Yeah, there's been a few chatters going on. Some reason to get excited. We've had some movement, had some re-signings, we've had some trades going. So, uh, you know, Soto, you can recap what has progressed over the past day. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go over um, the trades that happened, uh, some of the trades that have happened. The Jazz agreed to trade Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves for five players, uh, four first-round picks, three unprotected, and a pick swap. Then we have the Pacers agreeing to trade Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics for five players, including Daniel Tice and Aaron Neesmith, and a 2023 first-round pick, top 12 protected. And the Hawks uh, agreed to tra- uh, trade Kevin Herter to the Kings for Justin Holiday, Maurice Harkless, and a 2024 first-round pick, top 14 protected. Gotcha. Okay. So with all of those moves, that sort of uh, three moves that sort of just read, uh, I figured we each give our opinion and feedback on what we thought of those respected deals. Obviously, starting from the first one, working our way down. So the first one, as Soto said, was the Jazz agreed to trade Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves. That was it for the five. It was a five-player swap and four picks. But the meat of that trade was the fact that the Rudy Gobert is now a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves paired alongside Carl Anthony Towns. So the Memphis Timberwolves have gone big. They have got themselves a big front court to try to make themselves take that next step in the West. And Utah has felt the need to move past Rudy Gobert and try to build around Donovan Mitchell. So question is, who you think was the winner and the loser of that trade? And moving forward, how do you think those trade has that trade affect each team respectively? Hmm. Anybody hop in, I don't you know what I mean. Whoever wants to might you take it. Oh, okay, I guess I, I can go. Um, yeah, why not? Uh, go Bears a lot of money paired with now the the extension with Carthy Towns. What is it like four hundred plus million together with them? Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Um, they have. I guess they're figuring that Rudy Gobert can cover up a lot of the glaring holes defensively that Carthy Towns brings. Um, you maximize the shooting of Carl Anthony Towns at the power forward spot even more. He considers himself the best big man shooter, three-point shooter of all time. Um, I think Dirk Nowitzki will have something to say about that, but, you know, it's all right. Um, at the end of the day, I think it works better for what they want to do um, as far as um, a team um, because now you're not having Rudy Gobert um, essentially having to worry about any kind of offense, which is what he's kind of, you know, the knock on him has been is he provides no offense. Now you're basically, you have D'Angelo Russell can kind of get in the lane, get him maybe some easy looks. Um, you, If you're Minnesota, you get off of the guys like uh, Malik Beasley, who they were kind of looking to trade anyway, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, which brought you no offense. It's basically Jared Vanderbilt was what Rudy Gobert is like, you know, defensively, he's really good. Offensively, not much outside of dunks and, and cutting to the basket. Uh, Leandro Bomero didn't do anything. I don't even know that he's sixth in the league. 
Um, Patrick Beverly will probably get rerouted from Utah to somewhere else uh, just because he's a vet. Um, if you're Utah, it, it's kind of funny. I have to take back what I said about I made a joke about Brian Windhorst last time we did the podcast. You know, it. You know, at the same time, uh, he was he was sweating profusely, uh, kind of looking a little rough on the broadcast. But that, that was a master class of what he did with the story of Utah, kind of just rolling through of like, hey, put the pieces together uh of of what they're doing um mm -hmm. i don't think that utah maybe looks uh to move down to mitchell i know there's conflicting reports with the beat writers two of them are saying it's pretty much lining up that donovan mitchell is either going to ask out for a trade or they're going to push to trade him just to clear out the entire team start back over because they don't feel like they're going to be as competitive as they could have been um with what I think is they go one more year with Donovan Mitchell, see what they have. If they can't, then maybe move him at the deadline uh, or next offseason, move forward, uh, because they, they hired a young coach, Will Hardy, who's a development coach, came out of the Spurs system. Uh, I actually think it's a win for Utah just because the less risk, um, more draft picks, more building for the future. And Minnesota with a win right now with a heavy competitive West, where are you finishing? Sixth, maybe fifth? With that combo, we'll see. Got you. All right, next up. Uh, I think the biggest winner of this trade is Carl Anthony Towns, to be honest with you, because now he doesn't have to focus, uh, you know, playing the paint. Now it's like now he has a, a true rim protector um, watching his back. So it's like, all right, now I don't have to spend all this energy, um, you know, guarding the bigs. And, and plus – in a way, he has become a better shooter over the years. So now he's gonna his focus his game is his offensive game is gonna change because now he's gonna be taking all these jump shots um and staying out in the perimeter. Um so I mean it, it's still it's still it still remains to be seen like what happens. Um but uh, I, I like the roster that that uh Minnesota has built. Um it, it kind of seems more defensive minded and I think Rudy Gobert is also a winner in this trade because um, unlike Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, uh, D'Angelo Russell is more of a facilitator if you're comparing both of them. So um, that, that you know, obviously that, that's going to make uh, Gobert feel better. But um, I, I like the roster that they built. So it, I think in, in terms of for the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves trade, yeah, it, it's a, a major win for them. For the Utah Jazz, I, I think that that remains to be seen what what uh, these draft picks later turn into. But uh, so you know, uh, to grade the Utah Jazz, it's still unknown. But huge win for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Got you. Yeah, I agree. I think this is an easy answer. I think Minnesota won largely, um, but I think this also just shows Utah. For the past few years, the question has been like they got to choose somebody to build the roster around, right? So I guess this is them saying, all right, Mitchell, before you skate out of here possibly, which is why I don't think they're going to trade them, but they, 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 I think they did this move to basically be like, hey, this is your team now. They still got to find now a legit big that fits that system. I think Patrick Beverly is kind of good for that team. He adds what he does to any team, you know, competitiveness, fire. Um, that probably get the team to build in more, uh, buy in more on defense. So that's good. But besides that, I don't really see the direction that the Jazz are going. They they got a whole bunch of picks now, right? Um, new GM, all that stuff. But don't forget, don't forget it's your boy that was in Boston. 
Yeah. <laughs> but like, so that, that was just like, we kind of got to watch the, the rest of the free agency play out for Utah. Um, even in Minnesota, there was uh, uh, reports that they're kind of shopping D'Angelo Russell. So it's like, what kind of point guard are they looking for? So if they ship Russell out, we got to see who they bring in for a point guard because I feel like him and Cat have a good relationship, and even Russell with a few other younger, a uh, few other players have. Um, they kept McDaniel's though, which I think is big for Minnesota. I think he has, he could be, he has a decent upside. Um, good to he's see still, how he's just needed small forward to start. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now he gets a chance to really prove what he can do. Oh, the double big lineup in the West. I, it could work, like you guys both said, both Pete and Soto so far. Like it kind of helps current things hounds because we know it showed in the playoffs he really wasn't a great defender. He was always in foul trouble, but now he could be a four where he could just shoot because he wants to claim he's the yeah. best big man. Yeah, he could just stretch the floor and shoot, and now he can be lazy on defense because you have Rudy there to do what he does, right? Run protect. So I mean, and I, I feel like it might give people problems throughout the season, but for the most part, they're gonna have to sit. Rudy at some point because he's not a good free he's not a great free throw shooter he doesn't produce anything on offense they'll probably end up giving in to most teams and going small ball lineup so I feel like it helps I guess regular season but when it comes to playoffs if teams go small and they stick with their small ball you're gonna have to take one of those two out and you're gonna have to match you get what I'm saying so um as of right now it looks like obviously Minnesota won easily but we still got to see you know what pieces get put to each each roster and see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, for me, I obviously I like agree. Utah is sort of like incomplete because I just don't see the direction where they're going. I know obviously Utah is trying to make a few more moves, <clears throat> but I know they're going to be rebuilding. Um, Minnesota for me is one of the big winners. Um, they basically recreated the old school Rockets with uh, Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon, basically. You're going to be clogging up the paint a little bit with uh, Towns and Gobert. Um, obviously, uh, everybody knocks Gobert because he can't shoot threes. and you know he, But he has developed some offensive game over the years. Not much, but at least he has something. He did shoot a career-high field goal percentage this year and average more points per game and league high 15 rebounds. So he was basically 15 and 15. So I can't say that he won't give you some buckets offensively, but um, that depth that uh, Minnesota has is good too. Everybody's like, oh, they trade all those players, but Minnesota still got uh, depth on that team. And uh, one sneaky signing was uh, they got slow-mo on their team, uh, Kyle Anderson too. So, I mean, uh, that was good for them too. Um, I think up and down, they're definitely – Definitely going to compete. I did like the trade. Definitely. Um, did I think they gave up a lot? Yeah, but we're talking about a you know defensive player of the year, <clears throat> guy that could lock down the paint mm-hmm. and do different things. So I'm just going to say this as well. I think other teams that players that want to be traded in the future, a la Kevin Durant, are also the biggest winners because now it shows you that players that have the accolades and different things, the type of packages that are going to have to be given mm-hmm. to these teams to get these players is something else too. So that's something for all of us to really think about because if Rudy Gobert got that kind of haul, what kind of haul do you think somebody like 
Kevin Durant get will get yeah. or any other future player that wants to be traded. Just think about it like that as well. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess that uh that uh major haul thing will make some of these teams feel a little less bad about the fact that their star players have asked for trades. I mean it's it's hard to replace that type of talent, but I guess getting something of that big of a value back eases it somewhat. Uh Utah, I don't know what the heck they're doing. You literally just traded away your defense. That's that's literally what you did. You traded away your entire defense. Rudy Gobert was the reason why that the Utah Jazz had a top defense in the league. That's oh, that's literally it. They traded the Royce O'Neal. They and Royce, Royce O'Neal, the other person that was capable of playing defense for, for another so, pick as a first round pick as well. So they got they got rid of Royce O'Neal and Gobert, but they did get Pat Bev back. But like but, uh, you were saying earlier, they're probably they're probably he's a perimeter defender. You know what I mean, like. That if you're looking at the Utah Jazz problem, they give up a lot of drive and kick and a lot of points in the paint when Rudy Gobert is not on the court. So when you just took him completely off the team, it's like, okay, Donovan Mitchell, now who's there to bail you out when you get beat off the dribble? Like I put that on, uh, I put that on Twitter because it's like honest. It's like, okay, who they bails still, him out Hassan? now when he gets they beat off the Hassan? dribble? They still got Hassan Whiteside, aka I'm gonna get my 2K rating up. Yeah, okay, but he don't play defense like Rudy Gobert. He's he's not coming back. He's a free agent. He's not coming back. I figured. So there's like there's no reason. But for Minnesota, I think you just gave yourself an ability to play Towns how he really wants to play. He really wants to be a pick and pop. He really wants to be a a floor spacer. And then he uh, defensively he doesn't really like having guard uh, post bigs. I think you'll see more of the France Rudy Gobert on this team than you see NBA Rudy Gobert. Because when he plays in the Euro, the FIBA, even if he plays against the U.S., all of a sudden Rudy Gobert has post moves. They said they go, where did Rudy Gobert get a post move from? It's because he actually gets the ball when he sets that screen and rolls to the basket other than just an alley pass. I think the Kyle Anderson move allows the Timberwolves to maybe consider keeping D'Angelo Russell because now you can put Kyle Anderson at that three spot. He can play a point a point forward, and you just slide offensively uh, Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell kind of like off guards, and you let him play point. So then you can keep Towns out there, and then you have somebody that can actually run the offense to allow Edwards and Russell to focus more on scoring. Right. So I think – the trend of, I think, watching the playoffs, especially with Boston running those two bigs with Al Horford and uh, Robert Williams, have made teams reconsider. And then the size that the Bucks have, the size that the Lakers have tried to build, have made teams go, you do need a center on your team now. And if you can have two skilled bigs, you make yourself more of a dangerous team than trying to play small ball. I think small ball is officially dead in the NBA. Here you go. So... I want to address something. I want to put a mention on it, but coach's comment is a good one. Um, Rudy and KD's character is very different. He's right. Uh, one guy's more of a team-oriented, sort of down-to-earth guy. The other guy's more of a little bit outspoken, has a chip on the shoulder, and has a history of maybe other people might not see it this way, of bailing on teams. But I wouldn't – See, I can't really put it on bailing on teams, even though yeah, it I, was, I would not put bailing on teams. Any, <coughs> I was about to say, greatest I, don't, I don't really know. No, no, that's what I was yeah, going to get into. I'm I not going to I'm not, I'm not put bailing on teams. I think that's a little bit more of a stronger word. That's why I'm, that's why I'm getting into the comment. I agree about the character thing, thousand percent. However, the bailing on the teams, that's a little bit 
different because, I mean, the Nets did let him recuperate and give him his bag when he was injured and everything like that. They didn't really have to do all that. He could have just sat there and all this other stuff and whatnot. And well, what he went. He went from a team. If you were the Nets, ex- you exactly. Let him, let him go and have ex- nothing. Correct. Correct. Like, exactly. And then yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't really think. Him. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think that he bails on teams. I think that as a basketball player, sometimes you have to just go with what's best for your career and everything else. Like uh, at this point, it seems like the debts don't really have a concrete direction of what's going on. They have a lot of pieces in there that didn't really fit well together. So I think that might have been off-putting to KD, but to say that he bails on teams. I think it's a little bit of is a well. I don't even say a little. It's it's a pretty big stretch because I think bailing on a team would be, you know, you went to the you went to the finals multiple years and then you have the same team together and you put a better team together every year and then you just dip for right. God knows what. I don't see that to be oh. honest with you in this case. But I'm I mean, play I, devil's, I, I, I'm I respect, devil's I respect advocate. Opinion, right? I'm playing devil's advocate, right? Because I'm just have to. Didn't he technically do that to the Warriors? No, bailed on them. No, I'm going based on what Henry just said. Henry just said they win a championship. He didn't respond. He didn't respond. He didn't respond. That's kind of what he did with the Warriors. No, he, he had a perfect he situation. Just, he yeah, he, he, he got what he wanted and he, wanted to yeah, go try to prove everybody wrong. And like, had, right, well, I'm mean. just saying, like, if you go based upon what Henry win. said, he had a perfect situation and he left it. Not exactly. Not well, okay, OKC was If you want to lead your own team, you're KD. And that's your mentality of being an alpha. You're looked at as one of the greatest players of all time. How is your legacy going to be looked at if you stay with the Warriors for four or five, well, six I mean, seasons? Well, yeah, because the Warriors, we remember, the Warriors but, winning the Chamber Championship, his legacy is already down terrible. But, they just won another uh, championship. I, so it's well, already taken the Warriors winning a championship hurts KD. We already, we already all said that before. Okay. Yeah, well, the championship really doesn't hurt KD. No, it doesn't. They won one before KD got there. So how does that hurt KD? Yeah, no, I agree. I was <laughs> but I'm saying if you're looking at his career, that's the only place he's won. Everywhere yeah. else he's been, he's that he has not well, been able to get to the top of that mountain. Top. Dale on OKC, he re-signed. He was the backpack kid that re-signed with OKC when everybody said, "Get out of there! You yeah. can't win with Russ." I, I think people are he forgetting how, how many years, how yeah, much looks like hard work he put into OKC. He I got he got them to the no finals. Hard work and sweat. I'm he saying. got them to the finals and went into the big three. I think ran, into, can, ran into an experienced Heat team. It was LeBron James. Nobody I mean, talks about got, got the game out of that series. We can definitely go back to Kevin Durant when he gets traded. Um, I, got, I got one question though, real quick. Just so everybody, everybody also discounts the relationship that they had with Westbrook and KD and everybody else at that time too. That was a deteriorating relationship with those two at that point as well. So I don't think I don't think he bailed on OKC. Granted, they had you know Ibaka, KD, Harden. The only reason why I say the bail thing some people may feel it's a bail thing is because even Sam Pressy didn't know he was going to leave. I can understand that Russ didn't know. But when Sam Pressy comes out and says that he didn't even know that he was going to leave, that's not a good look. You can slice that every moment you take that cake, eat it. If a GM says comes out and says that he didn't even know he was going to leave, that's not a good look. I mean, 
I mean, you can say that about Kyrie. You can say it about Westbrook. Yeah, Kyrie might have see the bell. The bell word you can say on Kyrie more than KD. KD just last. Like we're talking about character. I mean, and and bailing with teams and playing games and all that stuff. Like Kyrie's got to be number one on that list. And that's funny you said that. And that's KD's best friend. And maybe that relationship's tainted too. Yeah. Now, because maybe KD was like, bro, why are you playing this game? Remember, this is something he he supposedly the reports are. He hasn't talked to management probably since playoffs, right? They got swept. And then there goes Kyrie doing Kyrie stuff, right? And then everybody's talking about if he's going to resign with them. And blah, blah, blah. this happens. This trade stuff happens. And then KD goes, you know what? I'm not about to deal with this crap another year. Look what happened. And They've been together for how long in Brooklyn and – barely played together he called he Westbrook his brother supposedly right he so did if you're facing the media and you know there's a fractured relationship why are you going to make it more to where the media can nah. slide in and cause more controversy with, the, with that they never I, got along they tried to make look, it hey, work but they could never coexist with that one with that one i'm gonna say they mamas is close i'm gonna be when your mamas is close, y'all close. They were not even close. They made it look like they were close, but they weren't. And they had to be forced to br- be brought together by Perk, Nick Collison, all of those guys, because they oh, bo- both did their own thing. KD had his entourage that he wanted around. Westbrook did his own thing with his own people, and they tried to make it work. There's nothing wrong with guys not getting along. They don't have to be best friends and be teammates. Yeah, like, there's, there's teams where exactly. They them are best friends, but they figured out how to make it work. Yeah. What they yeah. Needed to do to work. I, I get what Coach is saying, though. Yeah, I, I get it, too. Based he's off the rest of his comments, he, he's just saying as a man, stand right. on your stand on your feet, oh, I gun toes down, say what you're going to say. No, Coach, I, we agree with you. No, bro. You don't disagree with that. It was just a bail word. I'm like, damn. I think that applies more to Kyrie than it does to KD right. at this point, and, and I know Keem is cringing in his shoes right now. He probably wants to like scream because we're saying that, but I mean, fact, facts are facts, man. Spade is a spade, bro. Okay, so I'll, real quick because I know everybody, y'all say Kyrie bails. All right, real fast, and then we're gonna move on to another topic. Oh, oh, to right. me, this nigga, excuse my friends, Kyrie has not changed from day one. Okay, <laughs> he has not, not changed, he has not changed. So at some point in time, are we gonna keep complaining about him doing stuff that he does, or just be like, that's Kyrie? You're right. Yeah, you exactly right. I'll give you that. You're exactly right. From all the way back to Duke when he said, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to come to Duke. Yeah, I guess I'm coming to Duke. All right, you get hurt. All right, I'm with the Cavaliers. I just get the freedom to do whatever I want. Let's just move Then LeBron comes back and yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'll give you that. He has been the same since day one. Yeah. It's on the Cavaliers. They shouldn't have tolerated it from day one. They gave them more yeah. leeway than they should. Yeah. And when LeBron came, it was like, all right, we're going to have to win a championship. You can just do whatever you want over here. LeBron's going to do whatever he wants. And then it just cycled down. Yeah. I mean, with that being said, though, that gets the. That, the that's the, what's biting him in his ass right now. That's yeah. why there's not really much trade talk for Kyrie. Right. Because all the other GMs are looking around like, this is something that comes consistently with Kyrie so they're like you know we'd rather not really deal with that great player on the court but all the other outside some teams really don't need that some teams really don't need that so it's just like but again if he ends up with your Lakers he got LeBron by his side who he's been on 
He's been on podcasts, what, about a month and a half ago oh. saying, I called LeBron multiple times. We Our relationship has been done and stuff like that. So there's someone who can kind of keep him level-headed and keep him with that one goal to get the championship. It would be LeBron because they have done that in the past and succeeded. But, I mean. Time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. All right. So what was our, our next uh, topic of discussion? Oh, no more KD stuff or <laughs> <laughs> no? Nah, uh, so then we got uh, Ma- uh, Malcolm Brogdon going to the Celtics, in which I thought was uh, an amazing move. I thought I-, I feel like the only red flags with this move is his contract, which is super expensive, and the fact that over the past three or four years he's been injury prone. But other than that. Uh, I think it's a huge pickup for this team, somebody who needed a a true uh, point guard, a true veteran point guard. Mm -hmm. You move uh, Smart from the one to the two. You move Al Horford uh, to the bench. And now you have a legit solid, you know, starting five um, that could definitely, you know, I think it was an all-in move uh, for the Mm -hmm. Celtics because they gave – and what's most amazing about this trade was – they didn't give up any core players for Brogdon. So they were like, all right, you know what? We got this trade executed. Let's run it back. And they they might very well just run it back. Um, I, 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 I'm very high on Brogdon. Again, the injury is, is a little concerning. But as a player, um, I think he's going to fit in very well with the Celtics. Secondary ball handler, uh, three-point shooting, both positives. For Brogdon, like you said, just the injury history it makes me a little nervous. But I think that Smart may end up staying at the one, as weird as that sounds, to allow more of the shooting of Brogdon to kind of be, you know, sometimes a spot-up option. Um, like I said, secondary ball handler. With I like it now because Tatum, I think, is more effective at the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that move. Um I do like now that Aaron Neesmith got moved because I got tired of hearing about when's Aaron Neesmith going to develop and all that stuff. Now he can go to Indiana, less pressure. Maybe he can get his three-point shot back. Um, I thought overall, though, Indiana could have got more for Brogdon than they got. But Boston also made another move. I don't know if we'll talk about it later, so I just want to mention Danilo Gallinari as well for the front court. So that really, they're really looking at shooting, which was a – a detriment to them, um, you know, last uh, last season. So that will be a plus all the way around. So like it for Boston, um, not so much for Indiana. Just thought they could have got more. No, I figured I'd, I'd go mix up the order. Everybody would go in a different order than like we went the last time. Uh, for the Indiana Pacers, uh, I feel like, is Danny Ainge still running the Celtics or is it Bradley? <laughs> Because this looked like a type of fleece that Danny that Danny Ainge was doing over there. Brad Stevens learned well, because you just took their one of their best players, and you gave them back Tice, Aaron Neesmith, and some draft picks. Tice ain't gonna provide nothing for the Indiana Pacers, because I don't think they keep him on that roster. Maybe they add Aaron Neesmith as a young player to fit with the young talent that they have on that team, but right now, if I'm the Indiana Pacers whoever the GM is, and then now having Rick Carlisle as the head coach, I'm looking at them and I'm saying to myself, all right, we're going to have to reevaluate why I hired y'all again 
because literally all Dan, all Rick Collar has done is come in and trade away the whole team. He just that's literally what he did. He just basically came in and said, "I don't want none of these players. Get them off my team." Okay, so now you went from being a, a four fifth seed in the East to you about to just be the bottom of the East and just racking up a uh, lottery pick. For the Celtics, you get a person who is finally you finally got a point guard, like a point guard, not a scoring guard. You finally got yourself a point guard, a guy who's going to come, he's going to play defense, he's going to initiate the offense, and for defensive purposes. If he's healthy, that combination of Marcus Smart and uh, Brogdon on the court the same together, that's going to cause fits and Jalen Brown. That's going to cause fits for teams' perimeter offense because now you got three capable defenders on the court at the same time, which means Tatum don't even have to play defense at all. I mean, Doka's not going to let him do that, but he don't really have to play much defense when you got three guys out there that can handle their matchups one-on-one. And then if you have Robert Williams healthy, play him. Do not put old-ass Hartford. Go, go with the younger center out there and then have Harford come in for spot minutes. Then you got yourself a really good defensive lineup because now you have three, four guys out there that are really good defenders and Tatum's decent defense. You won't really worry about him getting beat because he has help all around him, which allows him to focus a little bit more on scoring from himself. All right. But the Pacers, no, just at the, at, if you're Indiana Pacers team, don't even buy tickets next year. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your time. Just, just let's watch that shit at home. Don't even bother. Oh man, Tyrese uh, Halliburton get doesn't get any love. That that's what I was gonna say, Pete. I'm like, not, this, not just, this is just price, them. Not, this is just I mean, them going all in. They must have really liked what they seen from yeah, Ty, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Okay. We're just gonna. He's younger. We're just gonna go with him. Like I ain't paying 150 dollars per ticket for that. I, I bought. To, I treat that shit like a high school game. We get a five dollar entry fee. I feel you, but it's Indiana. They will. <laughs> I'm not paying. I'm not paying. It's, it's Indiana. They will. But um, I I think. I'm not surprised that because they've been trying to put Brogdon up there. I think it was what the past three, three seasons, not, or maybe two off seasons. It was always Brogdon and Turner. Those are the first ones you always hit Indiana trying to shop. And then it's just like, at this point, you might as well just take what you can get. Cause it didn't work last season or last off season. Didn't work the, the round the trade deadline either. Um, so they finally just was like, you know what? That probably was the highest bidder. Maybe the only bidder. And was like, you know what? Just take them. Take them off our hands. That is what it is. Like you guys mentioned the contract. That's probably the main reason why they wanted to do it. Um, but Soto um, brought up a good point. He, The health with him, he hasn't played 60 games in the past three years. Yeah, he only three, played. Years, yeah, it's been 54. Knee, knee and ankle issues. 56 and then 36. So that's not even really close to half the season. So if he's not healthy this this upcoming season, I don't know what the hell. Like, you barely played. So you should be more than healthy. You should be the healthiest one on that damn Celtics team based off them just going to the finals and all that. They had a little shorter offseason. But I definitely, for any basketball fan, I think the possible defensive cheese that Boston could have, like, is scary. Um they still have uh, Derek White, too, which I, I like that they didn't ship him away. I, I wanted him to stay. But now it's like with Brogdon, he's bigger. So the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, can also have someone else where that switch defense, which Emei likes to run, kind of helps him out. It's, he's still, he's still going to give his all because it's Marcus Smart. But it's like when you see Brogdon alongside of you, you're like, all right, I don't got to fight as over and sacrifice my body because what goes under the radar is how many nagging injuries Smart goes through 
throughout the season for a sacrifice his body literally just fighting over screens maybe flopping a lot selling it and stuff he might bring that upon himself but he's one of the few ones that legit try to fight over the screens not lazy like let me go under or lazy like let me just reach my arm through and just try to make it seem like it's an illegal screen like he's legit fighting all the time he wants the best he wants to guard the best play on the opposing team and stuff like that so now he'll be able to get some rest and maybe keep him healthy. So if Brogdon could stay healthy, I think it would keep certain players who usually get nagging injuries throughout the regular season on Boston healthy, which, you know, for the playoff run next year would be great for them. So I, I like and I like the pickup a lot. I like the Gallinari pickup a lot too. Um, I think that also, like you like you said, can put Horford coming off the bench where it's just like he could just be the vet, chill out, regular season, play spot minutes, which he kind of was doing a lot until Rob got hurt during the regular season. And then just hopefully he'll give you a little bit more in the playoffs. So it's just like, basically now you have a full man rotation, a full 10 man rotation with a full starting five and a full rotation five. And then now you just got to pick and choose what you put. And so they, they were lacking in the, like throughout the playoffs. Yeah, yeah that's why email only went six deep. Damn yeah, man. exactly. Seven, exactly. Six finals. or seven. And then now you have, uh, you have Pritchard off the bench. You have Gallinari off the bench. You have Horford off the bench. Yeah. So it's like more still guys. Got that Grant. You can, yeah. You still have Grant. Like, like that's where they were lacking. Like uh depth and, and guys that they can definitely rely on. So I definitely love the, the Brogdon pickup. Um so then we move on to the next trade. Uh the Hawks trade Kevin Herter to the Kings for Justin uh Holiday, Harkless, and the 2024 first round pick, top 14 protected. Uh what are your thoughts? I wanted to hear what Pete had to say. I feel like <laughs> Pete always has a, a comment about what the Hawks do. <laughs> I mean, Herter was, essentially wasn't going to play as much, uh, obviously, with um, the recent trade of DeJounte Murray. And then you've got Bogdanovich is basically the sixth man now. Uh, they drafted A.J. Griffin, who, in my opinion, is um, – Obviously, he hasn't played any a game, but I think could be more of a consistent spot-up three-point shooter than Herter because Herter gets his stuff kind of off the dribble a little more um, effectively. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're if you're Atlanta, you get Holiday back as a rotation piece that's not going to ask for tons of minutes, can kind of be a glue guy at both shooting guard and small forward. Obviously, his brother Aaron signed a contract as the uh, essential backup point guard to take DeLon Wright's role. Mo Harkless maybe could get moved um, or just be a virtual linchpin at small forward, power forward combo. Um, athletic um, can get some some baskets in transition. Um, the 2024 first round pick, um, I mean, that's great. You know, whatever. We don't know what Sacramento will end up doing. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but Herter going to Sacramento is perfect because now he can start at the two as a bigger guard next to De'Aaron Fox that allows Monk to be the super sub uh, microwave scorer off the bench um, and secondary uh, ball handler and herder that can get you maybe 14, 15 points and, and be solid enough. Uh, we, we saw well, Keegan Murray's. Yeah, Mer Mitchell comes off too. So he's a smaller guard behind uh, Fox. And that helps defensively with Monk as well. Because Monk's not a, obviously not a great defender, um, so you know we saw Keegan Murray uh, do really well yesterday. So 
we'll see how that kind of all transitions for Sacramento moving forward. Gotcha. You got, right. uh, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I just think that uh, the Kings are sort of retooling their team a little bit. I know now they got a Herder and Malik Monk and a couple other pieces on that team. So it seems like the Kings are slowly building the team towards trying to contend. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be a shoe in for the playoffs. They might make the play in, <clears throat> obviously, but um, I do like um, the directions they're going. Uh, shout out to Jared's team because I know that's Jared's team. Uh, but I do like uh, the depth that they have on that team. Um, I think they have a pretty uh, balanced depth when it comes to uh, offense, defense, and veterans and everything like that. So I do like that. Um, the Pacers, on the other hand, I have no idea what to, what are they doing. <clears throat> I mean, Hawks, I'm sorry, Hawks. They have, I don't know what they're trying to do with trading Herder because I do like – Herder as a player, I think he does a little bit more than shoot because I know he's actually an underrated passer on that team. Because I know in the playoffs, uh, Hawks will never see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, um, I, I just it's sort of, it's, I get that Herder, Herder might not have play time because of Murray, but Herder is still a valuable contributor to that team. Because, like I said, there was games where I watched where Trey was not playing well and passing and turning over the ball a lot and Herder was sort of facilitating and moving the ball around and doing a little bit of things to sort of take off the pressure. So I get it, but like, I know for a fact, the Hawks are running uh, Murray and Trey lineups, probably a big, big portion of the time. And I, I get it, but like with, uh, you got Maganovich is not, that's not really his game to sort of facilitate. I and mean, he's sort of like a, basically a streaky shooter as it is, but I know he's a beast, but I don't know. Like uh, I get that, you know, getting holiday and Harkless helps your defense and I'm not going to knock holiday. Cause I know holiday is an underrated shooter. He played well with multiple teams. He'd been with Chicago, the Knicks, all of them. He started to develop that three ball. So that did help his game and allow him to stick in the NBA a lot longer. Uh, Mo Harkless. I don't really know. And that pick, uh, Big question mark to me. So I, I just think it's just similar to uh, Holiday. I just think with with the with that trade, it was just a a, a a financial trade because you know Holiday and Harkless, they both have expiring contracts. So after after this season, they'll save up about ten or eleven million dollars, and then they also have that pending John Collins trade wherever he ends up going. So I think it's just a, a financial move for the Hawks. I mean, it's still a question mark because, you know, we don't know what's going to, you know, how it's going to play out. And then, true, um, you know, Coach Norman Fisher said the Hawks will never see that that pick guaranteed. Kings will be a lottery team. Um, exactly what I said before. I said even, even, be- even though they have improved their <laughs> roster, adding Monk and Herder, yeah, I, I don't even see this team with a loaded West, you know. I don't I don't see them going. Uh, I see them in the play at. I see you could get the play in because Utah's going to take a step back, and then Portland. If you compare rosters, Portland ain't looking too yeah. hot right now. Portland like. Portland's Portland's like Soto said previous podcast. Portland is still incomplete, so I can't really hundred percent do. But I do like the Kings roster. I did say they do. I I don't think they're shooting for the playoffs, but for the play in, I think so. I think they're finally building 
a roster in the right direction, I should say. For once, I could actually say that. Um, the Hawks, like uh, Coach said, uh, unless they plan on maxing out Murray, I don't. I see him being a loner there. I don't really know how that's gonna pan out for the Hawks, and I'm scared that it might backfire on them. I mean, I hope it works out, but we'll see. I, I just thought, you know, like, with the Kings entering the plane, I, I just think it, it's tough because, like, you know, just real quick, you have you have fin, uh, Phoenix, Grizzlies, Warriors, Dallas, uh, uh, Nuggets, right? Uh, Utah will probably s- take a step back, but they'll probably make the play in. You have the Timberwolves who are on the come up. You have the Pelicans who are getting Zion back and the young pieces. I think they'll be a play-in team. Then you have the Clippers, who are probably getting uh, Kawhi and, and Paul George back. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lakers, I don't, I don't think they're going to miss the play-in, to be honest with you. And then I think the the only team from last year that misses the play-in is San Antonio. Yeah. So I, I, in my opinion, that's why I think like it's hard for me to believe the Kings will will make the, the play-in. I mean, I, yeah. listen, I could be wrong, but it's just a load of Well, some of those some of those teams also, you know, if you think about it too. So I, I think think you're correct, but I think some of those teams too rely on more of can they stay healthy so we're talking about for example the nuggets you got jamal murray and michael porter coming back right got, but despite that they still made the playoffs still, yeah, and then the clippers with all their injuries they still made the play you know you got the, you got the clippers and you also and also like another thing too you also have the lakers too with the injuries of ad and lebron and everything else you know mm-hmm. like you said is there's a lot of unknown variables in the west that west is right gonna be, right it's gonna i'm just gonna put it like this in the best Best way I could put it, it's going to be super competitive. Put it like that. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be the most competitive it's been in a long time. I think the Jazz, for me, are going to take a big step back just because of everything that's going on. I think, like, granted, they still have Donovan Mitchell, Mayanovich, and Conley. That defense is just going to be perturbed. <laughs> that's the best way I'm going to put it. So. So just yeah, to well, make, just to make things clear, you don't have the Jazz entering the play-in, right? I don't. I don't know. Okay. I can't. I, it's too. Un, it's too to be determined. I don't. I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put. I'm just gonna put. I'm gonna put incomplete okay. just because I think, I think they took a big step back, like Pete was saying earlier, when it comes to defense, like losing Gobert, and everything. Who are they really gonna have to stop people from going into that paint? Who are They're they really gonna? Have? There's on paper right now, unless Mitchell gets moved and a bunch of other stuff happens, they're still better than the Kings. But the I think Kings. the Kings could be in the contention for the play. Like, right. because Memphis with Jaron Jackson, how far do they slide down? Not that, not saying that these teams can't make the playoffs, but it's yeah. going to be super competitive. Three, four wins could be the difference between being in the play in and not being in the play in. And if True. the Kings can get sneaky wins here or there because they're playing a team that might be down. Health-wise, that that could make a, a big difference, but the offseason is still like super early, so we'll have mm-hmm. to see what other teams do because the Grizzlies still need to get something in there other than two first-rounders that aren't really, gotcha. I don't think, going to be that effective to replace yeah. Jared Jackson Jr. Okay. I, I will say, I will say that uh, Henry and uh, Pete, y'all uh, positivity with the Kings, y'all would make great youth sport coaches. Like CYO, PAL, y'all would be great because the Kings essentially they're like a, a, a YMCA rec league team. And y'all, oh, y'all you saying find, that you saying that because y'all, y'all don't, don't found no oh, way. 
Y'all don't found stop. a way to make them sound like they're going to be competitive. You won, that shit. you won that shit because the refs screwed you over the Kings. Please stop. Okay. I mean, the, my thing is, is with the Kings, it's got to be at some point that it turns around. Like, as I'm saying, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm I like, the pod, y'all are trying to be optimistic and positive. And I, I like the organization. So, I mean, I hope, I, was high. I hope they look because I mean, right now, if this don't work out, they don't got many options to go with. They're running out of people to trade, right? So they they're gonna have to figure something out. But for the Hawks, <laughs> uh, I think they just like similar, like Soto said, it was uh, about some cap flexibility. They're still trying to move off Collins. Right, right, uh, right. What uh, Holiday can provide, he's a three and D guy. You could play him in at that three spot sometimes, even alongside Murray and uh, Trey Young to try to add some extra defense on the floor, some extra floor spacing for two guys that primarily operate in, you know, pick and roll isolation style basketball, as in Murray and Young. Uh, I do have a fear that this could be a one-year loan because I think Murray is looking for a max contract. So the Kings, I'm assuming the Kings, the Hawks really do have to move John Collins to try to free up that cap space to give him the type of contract he might be potentially looking for. So... And yeah, I don't spacing. because now with Capella, Collins, and Murray, you don't have three point shooting in three positions, and you have a questionable, healthy DeAndre Hunter. Where's your three point shooting outside of Trey going to be? So, if you can get a stretch four, doesn't have to be a, a massive star, but get a couple good pieces back for Collins, maybe a pick or two in there it helps them for the future i do think murray is probably a one-year you know once they you know figure out okay well we can't max this guy and then going forward if we max him you got max trade max murray you can't really do much else capella's got a bigger contract like what are we doing here are we going to be fifth in the east and you know clap our hands and say this is great you know you know i'm finally glad somebody sees somebody sees that uh the king's owner medals more than dolan thank you for that yeah, he lost me that time. He said that his, the Kings could run the same offense that his daughter's CYO team was running. I was like, what? Shit. <laughs> Once he said he was going to talk about running a press with Jesus. four people, I was like, huh? <laughs> in the NBA? <laughs> That's what I knew. Uh-oh, Kings in trouble now. But, uh, mindset. That, that, was a, that was a bit of a stretch there. But uh, and what you think about this, uh, this Kings uh, deal in the Atlanta Hawks? Um, I don't really know if any team really benefits from this trade, like tremendously, like, like you guys said, maybe Atlanta's just going to go for the one and done situation. Cause they know Murray's going to probably be out next year. So I guess it helps them for one season. But then after that, unless, unless they're able to shop Collins, it's like, they're, they're really literally limited to what they can do <laughs> big time. Yeah. And the Kings are, man, they're just the Kings. Nobody's really worried about what they're doing over there. <laughs> don't like no, don't do that to Jared like that. Shout out to Jared, but yeah, nobody's really worried about what the Kings are doing. Honestly, like they, they had the good start to the season. What was that? Two two years ago, when they they had a real good start to the season, everybody was like, "Oh, the Kings are making some noise," and then whoop, <laughs> went downhill from there. I'm, besides I'm that, I'm, I'm waiting for Jared. That was Luke Walton, I'm for Jared to enter the chat here. <laughs> I, I I agree with Coach on that one. This this was a meaningless trade to me in my eyes. I just don't understand. Like the Hawks, kind of not really get better, but they kind of maintain 
But again, they got better with the Murray pickup, but Harkless, Mo Harkless, and your defense, just, got, yeah. your defense got better, but it's financials, it's all financials. Yeah. Um, so so we're gonna go back into uh free agency. Uh those uh players that decided to re-sign uh with their team. Oh, talk so, about money. So from one shooter, from one shooter to another, you know, shooter, and uh Zach Levine uh signed <laughs> a five-year deal, max contract with the Bulls. What do you think about that one? I knew you were gonna say that. I I kind of was shocked because I've read a lot of stuff about him really thinking about the Lakers and I forget what the other team was. So when he signed so quick with Chicago, I was like, oh, maybe he likes where he's at. I mean, they they were doing pretty good. So they got the injury bug really bad. And then, you know, you can only do so much. So run it back, run it back next year with Levine, DeRozan, Caruso. Yeah, see what happens. They, they were good. top of the East for yeah. First half of the year, so I think it was only the Lakers and to uh, confirm that that was the only, only team the Lakers. Team. All right, was only Lakers, yeah. yeah, to confirm which that. which could have been a good pickup for them. I think him next to LeBron would have been crazy, yeah, but team Merkic resigns with the Blazers <laughs> on the four year, $70 million contract. Your thoughts? They gotta have somebody on the roster, <laughs> like. Damn. At this point, it's like they ain't got no trade assets. They have no draft picks. And you got Damian Lillard there that says to you, I don't want to be traded. I want to try to win here. Nurkic is the best option they had to go re-sign and pick up. It wasn't like they got a laundry list of players that want to go there. You got Damian Lillard on Twitter trying to get KD to come to the Portland Trailblazers. He mentioned two teams, the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. He ain't touched the Portland Trailblazers. So it's like he's got the same dilemma. Nobody wants to go there. So they was like, you know what, Nurkic, you've been here. You loyal to us. You rock with us. You wanted to throw hands to protect Damian Lillard. You on this squad, big fella. But what he brings to the team, I mean, if he's not hurt, then, I mean, they get a guy to get a double-double and plays no defense. But everybody on the Portland Trailblazers don't play no defense. So he fits right in. So, yeah, go ahead. Run it back with the same core. Be hot trash again. And then I can see Dame in the offseat talking about, you know, nobody want to come play with me. Everybody just want to do this super team. Well, Hey, look, big fella, it's either you get with it or get fucking lost. And right now, you lose it. So go ahead, run it back when Nurkic be hot trash again, Portland Trailblazers. All right. Tell them how you really feel. Hey, they get, to their defense, they did get better a little bit defensively. So you can't say that completely. Who who, 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 who got better? Chauncey Blows going to play defense? He on the team? He going to come yeah, who? They got who? Jeremy Grant, bro. <laughs> they going to come who? We go. That, that's a good pickup for them. You can't say I that. Mean, that. I, I mean, I guess. Jeremy, but, Jeremy. And, I guess somebody who I like below. Okay, you mentioned him. Uh, in, in just in fairness, thing. right, Henry? What was the Pistons' defense with Grant on that team? They had only him. Okay, that's all he got now. It's only him. Who else on the Bulls Trailblazers play defense? <laughs> like well, okay, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. Uh, Garland and the Cavs agreed to a five-year, one hundred and ninety-three million dollar <laughs> extension. Pete, your thoughts on this deal? Uh, it's good for uh, Cleveland because he's an all-star. You keep the cap flexibility if LeBron ever decides to come back to Cleveland for a third time, which has been rumored, which I don't I don't know. You can take what you want for that. Um, Garland gets them an exceptional, to me, ball handler in the backcourt, playmaker, sc scoring, kind of does it all. The question for me is going to be, do you pair Karis LeVert again? 
in the backcourt? Or what are you going to do with Colin Sexton? Are you trading him? Uh, basically, with him being a restricted free agent, the Cavs aren't going to tie up their cap room. So we won't see anything probably until, um, what is it, Thursday, I believe, is the 6th. Um, you know, they can make deals then uh, as far as restricted free agents figure that out. Um, I don't know if the Cavs have as much success um, as they did last season. I think it's going to be more what they showed the second half of the season where it was like, all right, we'll probably be six to eight seed, maybe, you know, buying there unless a, a big move. Still don't like marketing as a small forward. Uh, but Garland, um, I could see him potentially making a second all-star team next year, uh, you know, in, in the East. Gotcha. Uh, I thought it's only fitting to leave – Henry, with this money making Mitch. I, I um, knew it once you skipped over it. I was like, this. I, was like, I definitely skipped I was like, over this it. Mother, you know what? I did it on purpose. So, Mitch Robinson, Knicks, <laughs> agreed to a four year, $60 million contract. Uh, yeah, take it away, Henry. Um, yeah, uh, they signed Mitch Rob to $15 million a year, basically. You do math. I think that's not a bad deal for the production you need to get from him. He is a defensive cent- defensive minded center. So that is something that fits the scheme of what the Knicks try to do. Granted, as a Knicks fan, we know they took a huge step back last year when it comes to defense. And I say huge because I'm just speaking facts. I'm not going to say, oh, they took a little step. No, they did. They took a huge step back. Um, <clears throat> I, what I would like to see from him, granted that he got paid being a second-round pick, which, you know, congratulations to him getting his money. I'm not going to knock that. But – um, I would like to see more consistency. Um, there's games where he has monster games where he could have 15 points and 20 boards, and then there's games where we have two points and two boards and have foul trouble. So I think for me, if you get in this contract, you got to put a little bit more consistency. Not saying that you can't have a bad game every here and there. Everybody has it. But you can't have those streaks where you go a couple games in a row like he did last year where he had two rebounds and four points and was just in a ton of foul trouble. So I'm not against the deal. I think it's a good deal. I think uh, you keep somebody you know, somebody you've developed in your system, somebody who's familiar with everything, and that uh, can grow and continue to be an elite defender and you know continue to work on his offensive game. Because uh, I'm not going to knock Mitch, because I do know he works hard. He gained a lot of weight and muscle to try to uh, get ready for the season. So he is a hard-working kid, so I ain't going to knock him for that. So. I mean, I listen, like he, he was a second round pick, and when the Knicks selected him, you know, he he had this raw potential talent, and like over the years we've just seen growth. So um, exactly, it, it's a it's a it's a great you know great signing, something that the Knicks needed to execute. So um, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Um, so this one is pretty much uh, in general, just seeing what you guys. Uh, truly think of this one but zion williamson signing a uh, five five year deal 193 million extension with the pelicans well uh when i saw it well i was gonna get to that uh comment that coach made about charlotte uh sharing time with the aarp lineup i was gonna mention that when henry was talking about uh (laughs) His struggles. It's like, well, when you got Papa Gibson out there taking player time from him, it's kind of hard out there tap dunking in the other team's baskets. 
it, it's it's kind of difficult to get some minutes consistently in that rotation. But no, I mean, I get, yeah, I get what that, he's saying. That I get, but consistency is for me is key. It's like I get you can have bad games. Every player does, but mm-hmm. you can't have a stretch where you have three or four. I remember there's a stretch last year where he had about three or four games in a row where he had like two rebounds and two yeah. points, and his deep his defense is off. Like. You can't do that all the time. Like one or two games here and there, but you can't have stretches like that. You got to be reliable. And they didn't sign up for a big contract, so I'm all for it, you know. Hart and Stein will help a lot too, though. What is it? Hart and Stein will help as far as rim protection, things like that. Like, I did so I did, I did, did like that pickup for them, though. That was a sneaky good uh, sneaky yeah. good pickup for them. And if Mitch yeah. isn't working, they could always go to. Uh, I say about Sims as well. <laughs> Sims, Sims, Sims was good in limited amount of time last year. That was a. Solid, uh, solid picks. I, I'm not, I'm not knocking yeah. it. Nick's, Nick's got three mm-hmm. solid bigs that give you a little bit of everything differently, and I like okay. it. So. Now I know uh, we subtle mentioned the Zion, so I know uh, Pete and uh, Henry. I think he heard y'all talking. I think Zion heard y'all. He was like, the streets is talking, talking about I'm fat. So my man been in the lab, you working on that body. He said, I right, say no more. Y'all trying to make these funny jokes about me. I'm gonna show you what I look like when I'm out here in this offseason putting in that work. So hey, I mean there was pictures and stuff of him to, to the defense, but I, I never said that he didn't have a he didn't have to work after to lose the weight. I how how weird is it? I, I don't think I've ever seen any like athlete in like just the way that your body is turned in a photo. One photo you can look extremely overweight, and another like he turns just a slight little bit. And he looks ripped and like in shape and like if he's been training all offseason. It's crazy how like you can just fluctuate that much. Like it's almost like the like you know James Harden. One day you look like you you know sitting in the club, like you uh, you know hanging out with Meek Mill too much. You know. Did you did you send Harden a Philly cheesesteak plug yet? I, I don't know what you know what what's going on. And then then the next time Harden looks like he's like. You know, been doing ab workouts for like a month straight. You know, it just don't doesn't make any sense. I mean, Zion, that weight stuff is bad. I'm gonna tell you that that much, Pete. I agree with that. Zion back off the beignets. It, it clearly <laughs> looks. Like, you know, no more gumbo. You can take uh, maybe you can take the Brandon Ingram diet and he got the now a little bit. He said he got the gumbo, gumbo lights now, nah, but I <laughs> yeah. think I think I'm gonna go with just like what Pete piggyback off that real quick. The weight stuff, Pete, just as like. You said pictures. One picture, he looks like he's the next coming of Biggie Smalls. The next one, he's like Jack, like he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Whoa, back in the day. whoa, whoa! There was some, there was some bad angles of him where he. What, had, what, what, what Biggie do? Come on, he had, he he had a, what, he had what a Biggie do to you? Listen, hold on. Let me get my point. He had a velour suit on, and people say he looked like he was close to three fifty. But then a couple weeks later, they had a picture of him with a tank top on. And he looked like he was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So everybody was like, like, what's going on? But from knowing from how healthy weight loss and stuff like that, like I look at it like him gaining the weight and losing the weight is not good for him long term because um there's been a lot of actors that have gone on comment that have gained weight and lost weight and gotten really sick from it. Uh an example would be um Tom Hanks was one of them. He gained a lot of weight for a row, he lost a lot of weight, a couple rows in a row. And he developed diabetes and a couple other things from it. So just because you gain the weight and lose the weight, I mean, quickly, you know, kudos to them for that. But it's not a healthy lifestyle to go by what I'm trying to say. So it's it's a scary thought that that kind of stuff happens. And I know there's like medicines and different things, but yeah. I hope you know, like uh, 
for Zion's sake and everybody else's sake that he just uh, stays healthy because we all know he's a really talented player. Mm-hmm. And he has potential to be a generational talent. So hopefully let's uh I mean he just up. got paid like a generational talent. Mm-hmm. So and that. I wasn't and just now I wasn't laughing because of what you were saying. I was laughing at the comment because I thought to myself, <laughs> Eddie Curry was once on the Knicks, so you, you got first hand experience and then uh Ant knows because he big baby Davis is time on the Celtics. So there's been some big body hoopers out here in these streets. So it, so it is possible that you can yeah. you can be both at the same time. Too, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think like it, it's it's crazy how you know um he 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 got the bag and congratulations to him but you know the first first season he played twenty four games second season sixty one games didn't play at all last season now I get he's like super talented and whatnot but to just commit to that amount of money knowing that he's injury prone and with this whole you know weight issues that's that. Like, I don't know what the Pelicans' mentality is. Maybe the Pelicans were, like, you know, trying to keep him because with all the rumors that, oh, he wanted out and whatnot. So, they're like, you know what, let's just throw the bag at him. Hopefully he resigns and whatnot, which, you know, he has. But I don't know if that's going to be good for the long term for, for the Pelicans, you know? What's interesting, if you look at the offense now, you got C.J. McCollum, who hasn't played with Zion, Jonas Valanciunas, you got Brandon Ingram there as a scorer. Like, does Point Zion work with that, you know, constructed lineup, like, effectively? Because that's where he was most effective, getting his yeah, points. On. points. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just wonder how that's going to change I, things hmm. next season. I think it works if they put another three-point shooter on the court. Like, mm-hmm. if, they just, if they just say X the traditional point guard, and just go CJ a scorer, three-point shooter, Ingram's another scoring option, and then put the ball in Zion's hand. And then because Valanciunas can stretch the floor with some outside shooting, you got to be creative with it. That's where coaching going to come in. It, uh, Willie Green's going to have to figure out something to make it work. Would you I start know, CJ so at, at the point guard and put Herb Jones maybe at the at the two, like as an de- extra defender? Yeah. Like, and then you kind of let Zion run the show? Like, is yeah. that something you would do? Yeah, have to experiment with something like that because, like you said, he was – you can't argue his production. I mean, he's having like 25 points, shooting like 60% from the field at point Zion. So it, it's hard to dispute. And I think that's what – piggybacking on what Soto said, I think that's what they see. They see when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the NBA when he's healthy. I mean, you can't argue that stat line. It's historic numbers in a small sample size of games. And then also, if he does decide he wants out, like we Henry mentioned earlier about the asking price, you don't up the bar. You want Zion now, you're going to have to give us something for him. He's not just walking for nothing. This is going to be an Anthony Davis type of hole for him if you want Zion because of that contract he just got. Yeah. Um. So we now continue with uh, the notable uh, free evening signings of day two. Um, some that, you know, we're kind of under the radar, um, not too, uh, not too shabby signings. Uh, so Kevin Looney signing with the, the Warriors on a three-year deal, twenty-five point five million dollar contract. Uh, Ricky Rubio uh, signing a three-year deal with the Cavs, uh, eighteen point four mil. Uh, John Wall uh, assign, uh, signing a two-year deal, thirteen point two million with the Clippers. Bruce mm-hmm. Brown. 
signing a two-year deal, $13 million with the Nuggets. Um, mentioned, I think it was by Pete Gallinari, signing a two-year deal, $13 million with the Celtics. Uh, Jalen Smith signing a two-year deal, $9.6 million with the Pacers. Uh, Gary Payton II signing a three-year deal, $28 million with the Portland Trailblazers. And DiVincenzo signing a two-year deal, $9.3 million contract with the Warriors. Um, out of all these and some that I didn't mention, uh, which one happens to be your favorite? We can start with you. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, give me somebody, and you go, because I know it's been a while since you know you've uh, said something. So I'll let you go and lead us off. And which one to you stands out the most? Uh, Steven Chandler to the Warriors, because it was looking like the Warriors were losing everybody. That kind of was benef- you know, beneficial to their run, especially in the finals. Gary Payton, a few other people, they lost basically Otto Porter. Like all the role players that did them really did good for them the whole playoff run. They kind of lost right away, and then you're like, okay, Warriors, you know, what direction are you going going for for bench? And then they pick up DiVincenzo again under the radar, not on day one when everybody's looking at their phone for Woj bombs and all that stuff. Day two when it's a little bit more quiet, and it's for a decent price too. They didn't really burn their pocket too much or at all, you could say. And I think um, I don't see him starting, but to him to back up Wiggins. Or even Clay Thompson, that's that's good. Another three and D person, um, and it's just like who they just plug people in. That's just the Warriors, the Warriors system. And usually, if they if they uh, pick you up and you play in that system, you end up fitting well, and your numbers get inflated. And then he'll go somewhere else with what two years, right? And then two years, and then boom, he'll get some good money because his numbers going to look really good because. Who doesn't have success in that Warriors system? Um, so I, I think out of the, all the you know pickups in day two of free agency, that was the best one because I feel like the Warriors needed that. Got you. And just uh, real quick for uh, Ant, because I know you mentioned about the players that they lost. Uh, yeah. Is there one player that you think is going to be a big loss out of who they've lost so far? Uh, Gary Payton Jr., of course. Of uh-huh. course, because it was like – he would come in for Curry. So when he would come in for Curry, it's like you go from picking out Curry for his weak defensiveness, right? And then now you're like, oh, shoot. Now the the backup point guard was Gary Payton, and he's freaking full court and your backup point guard, which usually, obviously, he's a backup for a reason. And then that just kind of messes up your offense, and you're running the offense with, like, 12 seconds left on the shot clock, and he's just a great on-ball defender. So that they're going to miss that defense. The Warriors are going to miss that defensive presence. Not regular season. You know what happens regular season, right? But in the playoffs, that's when it's going to really show, like, damn, they're missing. I, I think DiVincenzo can give him, a, obviously, nowhere near the level of defense that Gary Payton, Gary Payton yeah. can give. But I think the off-ball defense is where DiVincenzo can help. Um, and then being a little bit better shooter, even though it's 35% from three, I think just having that option of the shooting kind of helps. Um, they lost Otto Porter Jr., which he is the one that I'm picking, Otto Porter Jr. going to Toronto uh, as being sneaky good because it gives Toronto more depth as far as if they want to make a trade uh, to consolidate, whether it's KD or something else, they can consolidate, still play positionless basketball, which they like because they like to move Scotty Barnes around. They can move Siakam around from the three all the way up to the five. Uh, now Otto Porter Jr. gives you that stretch option 
Um, if you want to play them at power forward, it gives you the switchability at small forward. Even can play some really limited small ball center in the east, um, being able to stress the floor. So I like the versatility there of kind of what Toronto has done. The only negative move is Chris Boucher back. I don't understand that, but maybe just a loyalty thing. But that's all right. Yeah, sure. Henry? Um, I did like that one move for day two. Uh, I believe it was Bruce Brown signing with uh, the Nuggets. I did like that move. Bruce Brown's a pretty solid player, so I think that'll help uh, the Nuggets out a bit. <clears throat> Obviously, Bruce Brown could do a little bit of everything. So I feel that was a sneaky good move by them. Well, the only, the only problem is, right, because uh, he thrives at point guard center. So, you know, you don't have to take Jokic out the game in order to do that. Yeah. <laughs> remember, oh, that, might help, that might help Jokic have some fresh legs. So I ain't against it. <laughs> He'll probably have no, a different no, role. He is a he is a good defender. He runs the lane. But I was just being funny because on the Nets, you know, he's playing a five. Yeah, I know. They took the chances over him with Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond sometimes, which is hilarious. But, yeah. uh, Pete, did you pick your – I don't remember if Pete picked his. Yeah, uh, he did. I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He picked Albert Porter Jr. Okay. Got you. Just making sure. Uh, I was reiterating because I know he said it as a loss also for the Warriors, so I was making sure they counted two in the same. Uh, I would probably – okay. That's why I have, like, a brain fart on, like, which one I feel like was, like, a big deal, so to speak, out of the recent ones. Um. So usually I don't say something the same as everybody else, but this time I'll say something the same as Pete. I will say Otto Porter Jr. going to the Toronto Raptors because they're doing that and the possibility that they might lose OG. So if you can bring in a guy who is similar but may be willing to play a smaller role that OG might not be wanting to play at this point in his career, then I think that it gives you a guy that can defend, that can play threes. So if you have to move OG, you already have somebody on the roster that can give you a similar production to what OG was giving you. And I think whoever gets OG, if he does get traded, is going to be a steal. But for the Raptors, that staying ahead of the curve is always what they've been very good of. So they put themselves in a position to be ahead of the curve. And, you know, rumors are swirling that they're trying to creep themselves into that uh, Kevin Durant conversation. I'm not sure if it really happens, but – same thing with Kawhi. We didn't think that they would be able to pull off that Kawhi trade, and they pulled it off. So KD said like, he's not opposed to playing in Toronto either. So, oh, well, that would that would be. I mean, Drake is a KD fan, so that'd be, be fitting, right? He'd be back there. He have his one of his favorite bros there with him. So, uh, yeah. Any, uh, you got a, anything else? Any other news? Uh, sort of any other free well, agency uh, moves that we need to so chop I, up? I, I, I'm gonna. Say that the biggest loss was, you know, the Warriors losing uh, Gary Payton the second. Um, you guys stated the reasons why, you know, um, he was the defensive anchor for that second unit. So I think that's a huge loss, and he was, um, you know, uh, uh, a vital piece for that championship um, that the Warriors won. I I like, even though <laughs> this team is not really going to do much in the regular season next year, but um, I like the Pacers uh, resigning Jalen Smith. Um, and the reason why is um, he was somebody who I think struggled to find, like, was, uh, you know, to look for a home and whatnot. And in what 22 games, he averaged um, 13 and seven or eight. And he looked, you know, he looked really good. It's like 
the Suns really like gave up on him like early. And um he shot what 53% from the field, 37th on threes. So for a big man, um and uh, and re-signing cheap, I think that was a, a, a big win for the Pacers. So yeah, Jalen Smith. But okay. to uh close out a free agency, um there are some free agents still available on the market. DeAndre Ayton, Sexton, uh, Trez, Warren, Schroeder. Where do you where do you feel like these guys are signing? Like, where do you, what's your predictions? Where do you guys uh, think uh, it could be all five or, or one of them? Where do you where do you think they're going to land? Who wants to start us off on that one? Ayton's getting traded. Two. Uh, that depends. There's two trade scenarios out there. One would be Brooklyn. The other one would be a swap for uh, Turner from the Pacers and expanding the trade with the Nets and them to make it a three-team trade. Um, that's one. Um, Sexton, uh, that's a big mystery. There's been a couple teams in on him. I know uh, the Knicks aren't him on him, unfortunately. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's not um, – I'm, I'm not going to get into that one. <laughs> but – uh, I mean, he can he can he can score, but his, let's just not even get into his defense. So, I'm not going to knock the kid. He's definitely a good a dynamic scorer. I'll tell you that much. And he improved his he improved his defense a little bit, so he did take a little bit of step forward. So, I can't knock the worth out that he's trying. So, go with that. So, it could be the Knicks or any other team. I believe there's a couple other teams interested in him. If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. What if you're the Spurs? I know, so you may not agree, but if you're the Spurs. <laughs> Having a scoring, you know, guard because they're going to need points. They have defense. Yeah. You know, what if, sure. what if he's sliding in there? Even if it's a like a two-year deal, you know, with an option for a third year, something smaller, um, like a bigger contract, but like money-wise, financially, but like not years-wise. Um, TJ Warren's interesting because teams have to know he's healthy first. He's been out for two years. With the injury, yeah. the Pacers he might resign with the Pacers, but probably like a heavy. I don't know though because they don't have a lot of room to play him. Yeah, but he's not um, going to get a big contract anyway. So, I mean, where do you find playing time if you're Warren? You want playing time? Yeah, to recoup your value. Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, I could see a team that that's power forward heavy, or like that doesn't have a good like power forward that needs one try try to sign him. Uh, Try to think off the top of my head who would sign him. Honestly, I could see Boston was originally rumored, but now yes. that Gallinari is not going to work. They're not going to no. Well, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking Boston too because I was one that they said. Um, I don't know what team. There's not that many teams that have the room to probably fit him. I would say per se. Well, that goes into uh, looking at Dennis Schroeder as well, like. He's probably getting a minimum deal, like like Kim, you mentioned it before we got started. You, you go from potentially getting you pass up a bit, you know, a bag to now you're fighting on a to get yeah. on the team. Like you're essentially maybe if you're Dennis Rudy, you're more getting closer to training camp. Like as you see, you know, teams maybe with an injury during the summer or something to kind of find a more prominent role because you need to build your value back. Um, Montrose Harrell, until his marijuana charge 
gets resolved, I think it's it's going to be a, a little bit of a red flag for some teams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch Howard right now because there, yeah. there's more charges supposedly coming in for him. So he's in the – That's what I was going to say. He, he's in the territory of a uh, name I shall not speak of, but he is in that territory right now as well. Former yeah. teammate. Let's put it that. Let's For, soon to be, so, soon to be former teammate as well. Hopefully, yeah. so mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I would not touch him. Aiton's uh, the interesting one, I think, out of all of these because it's going to be a sign and trade. So is it Indiana? Is it Utah? Like, is it a sleeper team like Atlanta that throws like a multi-team offer and they get them? Like, it's very limited teams right now for Aiton that can pay him. That, you know, the Spurs could, but then I like Yaka Pertle better than I like DeAndre Ayton and overall for the fit for where the Spurs mm. are now, not uh, as a better player, but just kind of as a fit for right now. Um, yeah. yeah. My pick would probably uh, be Indiana if you're moving Miles Turner in a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe go there. But. That was the rumor swap. It was Ayton for Turner and a couple, you know, small little minor pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. But the other talk was expanding it to have Brooklyn in it somehow. So everybody gets something out of the trade mm-hmm. to help them because obviously Phoenix would have a hole at center. They would need something back and I'm not saying they're going to be able to get Miles Turner and obviously Kevin Durant because the money, but something more service, serviceable center, I guess would be the best way to put it. But I mean, we'll see. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, I, I probably for those free ages, I see Aiton and Sexton probably definitely getting something from somebody. Uh, Warren is a big mystery because of the health, like Pete said. Uh, Schroeder, Mister Fumbled the bag himself. Who knows what the hell is gonna happen with him? And Harrow, I would not touch him within the ten foot pole right now until all his stuff is cleared up because that man and and Voldemort have a lot of charges coming. So that's on the. You said best okay because the question was best remaining free agent uh so i'll probably say it's Aiden. i think uh sexton is talented harold has his off-court issues but he is a talented player but the off-court issues make him hard to deal with right now uh warren injuries he's the talent the talent but when he's hurt that becomes an issue for him and then shooter he ain't played well in the last two years to really make himself a option with somebody's like dying to have him on his team. So I say it's Aiden is the biggest steal if you can get him. It's almost uh, in the, it's almost in the right order the way we have it written. It's just it would be Aiden, Sexton, probably Warren, uh Harrow, and then probably Schroeder, to be honest with you. That'd probably be yeah. the order. I think uh I think left real quickly till I move it to our closing thoughts is I don't know what Phoenix is doing. Uh, I understand if you don't want to max him, but you got to find a middle ground somewhere not to lose him because to lose him, this team is going to take a step backwards. Uh, you overpaid Miles Bridges. Uh, Michael Bridges, excuse me. You overpaid Michael Bridges. Uh, he didn't show up in the playoffs. So basically, you got Aiden sitting there going, well, I was playing well. He was a no-show. He got his money. Now I can't get paid because you gave it to him. I think they should have waited on both of them and they made a decision on who you're going to pick. Now you're going to lose Jay Crowder as well, who was a big part of your team because you're worried about the money space in order to try to do a sign and trade with Aiden or if you're going to keep Aiden or if you want to try to get yourself in that Kevin Durant sweepstakes. So, yeah. 
I, I don't I don't know. It's tough that. though because there's no market for centers now. Everybody's trying to say, all right, we'll spend money on wings or guards. Like we're not really wanting to pay centers over pay centers like that because you could do it like Phoenix is the example. You could do it by committee with JaVale McGee, Bismack Biombo. Like they had the same production during the regular season as Aiton had. Now Aiton showed up, you know, in the playoffs, and that's generally what matters, but you got it. You know, you have to have another team that values that as far as part of their, you know, their team. Now, like always, uh, we've reached that stage where we're at our closing thoughts. You can talk about some basketball late. You can talk about anything that's on your mind. The mic is yours. It's your time. So what you guys got? Uh Oh, go ahead. So, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I know we. I, I don't know that we necessarily want to touch on the player per se, but I just feel like we're not. I'm. That's why I said Voldemort because I'm not going to say his name. Yeah, I. But I will say well, the young I, I kinda lady. Accidentally, but, I kind of accidentally already said it. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, what happened to the young lady and the kids involved? I just don't. There's no way you can come back from that. I don't care. Second chances, you could say all that all you want to. I just hope that mentally those kids, physically the kids are okay because, you know, once you see your mom like that and things like that, it's, it's really rough as a kid. I'm not sure how old they are, but for any kid to have to go through that. And then, of course, her as a victim, you, nobody deserves that. So prayers out to, you know, to, to them and, um, to that particular player, you know, everybody keeps saying, you know, F him, like all this stuff, like, and, and that's valid. I agree. The other side is you have to pray for that person as well, that their mental health comes back to a state where they can, Correct. They can uh, get back to a mentally competent state of, you know, forgiveness for themselves and then being able to uh, have forgiveness from you know, the young lady and, and the children involved because, you know, that's their father. And at, you know, some point everybody deserves that forgiveness. It's just, what are you going to do to show the steps that you're going to get there? So there's a long road ahead, but I think that comes first and foremost before basketball um, and it, as it should. So just want right. to say I'm going to piggyback off Pete. Uh, yeah. Mental health is important. I think me and those have healthy relationships and not, be able to overreact to situations regardless how severe or different things may go on. That's not how you handle yourself and do different things. Uh, to just piggyback off uh, Coach's comment real quick, um, I didn't get to put it up, but uh, we are innocent to proven guilty. However, there's been a lot of different things coming out on that. So I agree with you that too, but that's a little bit more different than that. Obviously, a lot of times, unfortunately, with sports athletes and just celebrities in general, a lot of these cases get settled for X, Y, Z amount of money. But, you know, the always hope of everybody is uh, all the issues get addressed because obviously, I'm just going to say this, money doesn't always help fix issues. Uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done as a person to fix yourself. So hopefully everybody in that whole situation fixes themselves and fix the relationships and everything like that, because it was pretty serious. 
to answer that, according to reports, he's already turned himself in and he admitted guilt. So yeah. you take that for what you want as far as like who threw out the headline and, you know, all that, the story, whatever. But to me, you turned yourself in and, you know, admitted guilt. I mean, there's not really much more to it. And his erratic behavior before that with a fan, you know, obviously the cup we saw, like, you know, yeah. just a lot of things factoring in, I think maybe hanging out with the wrong people and that factored into. That happens, a lot, a, lot. That happens a lot in basketball, unfortunately. A lot of these players sometimes hang out with uh, the wrong crowd, unfortunately, and things like this, they get influenced and hear things and say things. So, but like I, like Pete said, I couldn't sum it up any better. I, you know, pray for everybody and I pray for mental health for everybody in that whole situation to be, get better and, you know, however long it may take. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a more positive approach. Uh, I'm just going to wish everybody a happy, uh, July 4th. Um, you know, uh, hope, uh, you guys, uh, pig out at barbecues and whatnot. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, hope, every, you know, everyone enjoys their time. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Happy July 4th, everyone. <laughs> Um, shout out to Soto watching Friday in the back. He probably don't even realize it's on his TV, but see Smokey. Um, yeah, just on a more brighter side of things. Shout out to old man Pete. He was able to get in the gym. (laughs) Got some shots up. Knee responded well. Shot 18 for 25 on spot up threes. Okay, NBA range. That's key. That's key. NBA range is important. 14 for 25 off the dribble. Sign this man. The way they throwing out money. <laughs> That's you can get, you know, you get, dribble you get is bad three compared mil. to what I used to shoot in my prime, but you know, right around the same range as far as spot up. But that's that's what I, I've been able to do that spot up. Yeah, you don't really lose that. Just no movement, like for me. But you know, appreciate that. You know, one for step sure. at a time. Yeah, yeah fingers no. crossed, no injuries. Because I'm actually going when we get done. The Back to the gym, yeah. You got that itch, right? Because you, because you, your body responded well. Yeah, I respect it. Right. I respect it. So, uh, I figured out, you know, rap in terms of like bringing everything, you know, together, so to speak, of what you know you said. Uh, so, and you started by talking about uh, going to basketball, uh, Pete, going to the gym, and being able to play basketball, and you know, everybody having that ability to. Get out there and uh, feel good when you're out there playing basketball. Soto mentioned uh, 4th of July uh, as it's the America's Independence Day. So, you know, the key. And then when uh, Henry and Pete's comments on, uh, I feel weird not saying the man's name because everybody's already had the story out there as uh, mm-hmm. Miles Bridges. And it puts in perspective, this is a, a young man who, was having a conversation about wanting to get a max contract playing basketball. That was his, he was making headlines because people were saying that he wasn't really considering staying in Charlotte because they wanted to have the ability to uh, max him. And he, he felt he'd get that elsewhere. And you mentioned about going into the gym and playing basketball, sort of mentioned the holiday. It just puts in perspective that every decision we make in life can take away a privilege from you. Mm-hmm. Basketball is a privilege. It's not something that you're guaranteed. You're, it's a privilege for him to be in the NBA. It's a privilege for him to provide 
the lifestyle that he could for himself, his wife and their children. And somewhere along the line, he forgot that. And he made a decision now that is going to have a lasting impact on his ability to not only take care of himself, but now take care of your family. The one thing that you was your odds and means of taking care of your family was the fact that you were a professional basketball player. You have now jeopardized that. So even you as a father now, you've hurt a relationship with your kids that now is going to stay with them for a lifetime. So whatever happened that day, I'm pretty sure if he can go back and rethink about his actions, he probably would take it back what he did, but it's too late. You can't do it now. You can't take it back. You have to live with the consequences of those actions. So basically, my closing thoughts is, you know, people out there, be fortunate for the opportunities that you have in your life and for the privileges that you have in your life. I mean, everybody goes through things in life that makes you upset, it makes you angry, it makes you mad, but it doesn't give you the right to lash out those things on somebody else. And whatever space that Miles Bridges was in, he lashed out against his wife, and now he has to deal with the consequences of his actions for that. So I am a big, strong believer, and I'm going to wait to see how the case falls out. Both him and his wife are entitled to their court case, their trial date, where the facts can be presented and a conversation can be had where we learn what happened that day. And it's important for his wife because this is gonna be her ability to tell her story and explain what happened. So if it's a situation where this had been a pattern, she's giving a platform to Me Too and domestic violence victims to say that it's you can go report these situations when they occur and you do have the support of the police and the support of your family and the support of your community when those things occur. And for Miles Bridges, he gets a chance to explain his actions. We, every Because the biggest thing for her family is gonna wanna know and his kids are gonna know is why. So he'll, have, he'll get the ability to explain that why he did what he did. Doesn't justify it, but it gives a context to his side of the story and also his side, her side of the story. So a due diligence and justice can be served where it's needed to be served too. But you know that was a, a deeper closing, but like always we try to make sure that we engage in everything that's happening in the NBA, whether it's good news, bad news on life in general, because we're not just individuals sitting here talking about podcasts. We have families, we have friends, we have loved ones. So the world affects us just like it does anybody else. But uh, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode. Like always, if you've missed any part of our podcast, our new Facebook and YouTube page are listed there at the bottom. Sounds at Hardwood, both on Facebook and YouTube. And then our Twitter is listed as well there at the bottom. S-O, capital S, capital O, capital T, Hardwood Pod. And then our Instagram is sounds underscore of underscore the hardwood on our Instagram. So you can follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our page on Facebook. We post weekly in terms of our podcast and we engage every day on our social media platforms with whether you have questions or content that we put out to engage with our community. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll catch you on the next one. We out.